We've made it. Christmas 2020 is finally here. And I'm guessing if you're anything like me, maybe it felt like it was never going to get here, right? With all the stuff that's happened in the last 10 months, we're here. And maybe some of us tonight, you made it to the finish line, you made it to Christmas, sprinting across that finish line with a lot of energy left. And, and maybe some of you are kind of crawling across that line, barely making it, glad it's here. And maybe you're even kind of looking for it to just be over. But you're here. And we made it, right? And so let me ask you, are you excited about that? You should be, right? What do they say? This is the most wonderful time of the year. Oh, I don't know. Four o'clock might have done a little bit better. I'm not going to lie. Right? That's what they say. It's the most wonderful time of the year, right? So it's got to be good. It's got to be awesome. Lots of joy. I started thinking about that this last week. Why do we say that, that this time of the year is the most wonderful time of the year? Maybe for some of you, it's the lights and the decorations. You love those things. Raise your hand if you like decorations. Put it up there, Tracy. I know she, she loves decorations. Some of you love decorations, and I do too. I like the lights, right? Mike's Farm or the new, the new one out here off of Gun Branch by Swinging Things. It's really cool. Some people love the lights, and that kind of gets you in the festive mood. Maybe for some of you, it's, it's the baked goods and it's, it's baking those cookies I just saw on social media a couple days ago. Some Christmas cutout cookies that were being dipped in green frosting. They look so yummy. They look so good. I bet you they tasted good too, huh, girls? Yeah, <laughs> right? Maybe for some of you, some of you kids, you're like, yeah, school's out. And not just for a day or two, but you're not going back to school till after New Year's. And then maybe some of you adults here, you're kind of excited too, because this time of year kind of slows down at work. You can take some time off. You can hang out with your family. And so, yeah, it's kind of the most wonderful time of year. It's, it's, it's fun. And still maybe others, th this is your highlight. I, I just was texting back and forth with somebody a couple days ago, inviting them to come, and they're like, so are you doing Silent Night with the Candles? Because I think everybody loves that. And I said, you know it. <laughs> and I got a couple of heart emojis sent back. Maybe that's what you like. But I'm guessing that some of you here tonight aren't necessarily in a festive mood. In fact, this past week, an article came out that I read on Monday, I think it was, and they took this survey, thousands of different people, and it was a pretty reputable survey uh, group that did this, and they asked the question, are you feeling festive this year? Are you feeling joy? And you know what percentage of people said yes? 28. So you know what that means, right? 72% of the people that they polled said, we're not feeling it. We're not feeling very festive. We're not feeling very joyful. Now, maybe some of that is because we're not having a merry little Christmas. Maybe it's, it's more like a merry COVID Christmas, right? And all the stuff that goes with that, because whatever your take on COVID is, we've all been affected in some way, shape, or form, yet it goes so much deeper than that, I think. Because for some people, for a lot of people, Christmas is not the most 
wonderful time of the year. It's not going to be this year for the Rodriguez family. Because this year, they're going to sit around a, a Christmas tree, fighting back tears with smiles, telling stories about a husband and a father taken too soon. It's not going to be all that merry and bright for, for a woman named Tina, who's a single mom, trying to keep it together, trying to provide for her kids, but all her money working those two jobs are going to rent and to bills and to food. And she's not going to be able to buy too many presents for her kids this year, certainly not the ones on their list. They're a little bit expensive. It's not going to be all that merry of a Christmas for Stacy. She stares out the window of her nursing home facility, watching and, and waiting and, and hoping that right around the corner her kids are going to come, but they're not coming this year. It's not going to be for Tom, who's washing down his, with eggnog his antidepressants because he's sad and depressed because this is the first Christmas after the divorce and he doesn't get the kids. He doesn't even get to see his own kids on Christmas. And it's not going to be for the lady that my wife and, and boys and I met in the Aldi's checkout line two nights ago who we could tell was struggling to lift the bags out of her cart and, and so we offered to help and she let us and we, we went outside, we packed her car up that was way too full of stuff and then she's apologizing because she didn't have time to get to the storage facility to drop off stuff because her husband just left her and she was spending this Christmas alone in a 30-foot trailer. You know, for a lot of people, Christmas is not the most wonderful time of the year. And I think you guys all like fundamentally understand that because even though those might not be your stories, you have stories. You have your own struggles. You have your own hardships. So maybe this year Christmas isn't always merry and bright for you. So let me ask you, how did you walk in here tonight? Are you part of the 28% or are you part of the 72? Are you festive and full of joy or are you kind of bummed? Maybe some of you walked through these doors just 20 minutes ago and you forced a smile and you said Merry Christmas, but you're hurting. And with every creak in your back and knees, every pain reminds you of the aging process that's taking its toll on you, and you know where the aging process ends. Maybe some of you walked in here tonight, and, and you have the picture-perfect family that went over by Lindsay and got the beautiful pictures, but man, if only they knew of the fight that we had on the way to church tonight between husband and wife, or maybe the, the ten times you had to yell at the kids to be quiet in the back. Maybe some of you are here tonight and you're battling some sort of an addiction. And it's hurting your marriage, it's, it's destroying your relationship with your kids. And, and you know what they say about any kind of addiction? It usually gets worse during the holidays, not better. And so you're dreading Christmas. 
Maybe some of you are here tonight and you're angry and you're bitter. Because you can't believe she said that. And you can't believe he would actually do that because he was supposed to be my friend. We're supposed to be related. Why would they do that to me? Maybe some of you are here tonight and you're really sad because you're not going to see family. You're not going to see friends. Maybe for some of you, this Christmas is going to be awfully bittersweet because that chair that used to be filled with grandma is empty this year. And although you're happy she's in heaven, you're kind of sad because she's not here to celebrate with you. Friends, I don't know how you walk through these doors tonight. I don't know what's going on in your life, all of you. I don't know what struggles and pain and sorrow you're dealing with. But you know what? I'm glad that you're here. You've come to the right place because what you need more than anything else is not more gifts and presents and lights and cookies, as nice as those things are, as fun as those things are. You need God himself. You need a God who is willing to jump into the darkness of sin and pain and death that we call this world to rescue you. And he has. Right, we heard about that in our reading tonight from Isaiah chapter 9. To those who are living in darkness, a light has dawned. Now in context, when Isaiah wrote those words, God's people had rebelled against him. They were, they were facing exile in a foreign land. Things were not looking good at all. And even when Jesus came, they're under Roman occupation. They're crying out, when are they going to be set free? And that doesn't include any of the personal struggles they were faced in their own life. And so that first Christmas, nothing like the Christmas we know and celebrate today. There were no lights. There were no decorations, there were no Christmas cookies, no Christmas music being played on the radio since like late October. None of that. And on that first Christmas, it was anything but joyful and peaceful for Mary and Joe. Did you know that? I think we sometimes forget that, right? Because we put the nice nativity scenes up and we put the scenes on cards and we light candles and sing silent night, holy night, all is quiet. But that was not the first Christmas at all. Not even close. You know how the first Christmas went down for Mary and Joseph? Joseph got the word that the Roman dictator, emperor, said, you will go to your hometown for a census. All right, we just had a census, 2020. We didn't have to go anywhere, right? Nobody had to travel. You just hop online, and you can fill out all that stuff. Click and done. Joe and Mary, they had to get in some transportation and go. Now think about this from Joseph's perspective, right? You're the husband. Your wife's nine months pregnant, and you got to make a trip, and it's not going to be in an air-conditioned, climate-controlled car or a plane or a bus or a train, or anything like that, you're going to be using these two things here. I am pretty sure that nine-month pregnant Mary was not looking forward to that trip. But they had to go. And then when they got to Bethlehem, right, what's that, the famous carol? 
little town of Bethlehem, how still we see the light. Again, nothing still about the town of Bethlehem. In fact, the town of Bethlehem, because of the census, probably swelled two or three times, if not more, its normal population, because all these people are coming in that don't live there, but they had to come back, because that's where they trace their family lineage to. And so there's tons of people, way more than normal, and Joe is frantically looking for a hotel to put his wife in because she's about ready to give birth. And when Joe, right, they get to Bethlehem and he pulls up his Priceline app and he's like, ah, they're all full, Mary. Let's check out the Airbnb. Can't even find a one-bedroom studio. I'm sorry, Mary. But this guy over here, he said we could take his barn. You cool with that, Mary? And then they get to the barn, which if anybody has grown up on a farm, if you've lived on a farm, if you've driven out in the countryside on those days, the wind's blowing just right, you know that it doesn't smell good. And so when the time came for the Savior, the creator of the universe, to be born, Mary lays down on a bed of hay with the smell of manure, the sound of animals, to give birth. No warm hospital bed. No doctor to deliver baby Jesus. No epidural to, to take the edge off her pain. She was going to do this in the barn on hay, with only her husband. I don't know about you, but to our 21st century ears, I mean, it's almost amazing. Like, how could they even do that? How could they survive? So that first Christmas, it was anything but peaceful and joyful and silent and still for Mary and Joseph. Now... (laughs) If you think that is bad enough, now I want you to think it from Jesus' perspective. The guy who was at the creation of the world, the one who said, let there be light and there was light, the one who poured the oceans and hung the stars on that first Christmas was pushed out a birth canal in a barn. Think about that. The Savior of the world, the guy who was in heaven at the right hand of the Father, ruling over all things, dead looks at him and says, all right, the time has come. You have to leave. The palace, heaven, perfection, my side. It's time to go, son. And I know it's not going to be fun, but you have to go. And you know when Jesus was born, he was born into a world that was really no different than our own. A world that was suffering. A world that was hurting. A world that was darkened by sin and death. Yet he came anyway. And you got to understand that, right? This wasn't just random chance. This was all part of a plan. It wasn't on a whim. This was a divinely orchestrated rescue mission to seek and to save and to find you. And so even though that first Christmas was anything but peaceful and joyful for Jesus, he willingly came to find you. Because you see, what we need more than anything else is 
is we need help. God does not just stand on the sidelines and say, come on, you can do it. Walk a little harder to the light. It's going to be okay. There was no speech about pulling yourself up by your spiritual bootstraps and, and giving it that old college try and everything will work out. God knew it wouldn't work out for us. He knew we were lost. He knew we were condemned to the darkness forever. And so he intervened and he came himself. He didn't send another prophet. He didn't send another man of God. This time God himself said, I am coming to rescue you. See, Jesus came to the darkness. And he didn't come to crush those living in darkness. He came to be crushed by the darkness. Jesus didn't come to, to, to destroy those living in the shadow of death, even though destruction is what we deserve. He came to be destroyed for us. I remember, I said it's part of the plan. He knew from the moment he left the Father's side that it would end on a cross. But he did it anyway. Because his love for you Strong. Stronger than anything else. He wasn't going to sit by and watch us die, and so he, he came. And that's the message of Christmas. If you want it there, it's not just the cute, cuddly baby, candles and silent night. You cannot talk about Christmas in the manger without talking about the cross, because that's why he came to set you free. And he did it. The light has come. Your sins are forgiven. He has rescued you. And you know what that means now? It means that no matter how you walked in here tonight, no matter the pain you're dealing with, the tears you fight back, the sins that you have committed that you wish you could take back but you can't, means it's going to be okay. Because your rescuer has come. Your light is here. And you're saved. Friends, that is the message of Christmas. In a world of darkness, in a world where all we've ever known is darkness, your light has come. In a world where all any of us has ever known is struggle and heartache and tears and suffering. And even on the good days, we know it's not perfection. We all have things we wrestle with and deal with. To that world, Jesus has come. And now you know what that means? You don't have to sit in darkness anymore. For your God is here. And he has given you all that you need. He's given you true peace and joy that nothing can take away. All right, now, this doesn't mean that you're going to walk out of here and all your problems are gone. That's never what the Bible promises. But it means that it will all end okay, more than okay. It will all end next to Jesus in heaven because he died and rose for you. But that's why he was born.
however you walked in here tonight, as you leave, I want you to know this. In fact, I don't just want you to know this, you have to know this. There's no more important message. Your light has come. Your Emmanuel, you know what that means, right? God with us, he is here. He came for us. Your Jesus has showed up and he has rescued you. And because of that, Christmas, no matter what your face, can be merry again. Because of the babe born in Bethlehem tonight for you. Amen? Amen. Merry Christmas, guys.